This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. We are dedicating the season to talking about Apple TV's physical, and we are up to episode seven. Let's take it on the road. And I'm Joe Lipset. I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hiya. <laughs> I waved to you guys that you can't see me, but I don't know why I felt like I had to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, okay, this is episode seven. We're closing in on the end of the season. I feel like we're really starting to see some things happening, but this episode also feels completely different from all the other ones so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this one, the, the ending, I'm just left like a dread of a, a pit in my stomach. You called it, Gina. You have called this mm-hmm. for now, like, three weeks. Just like, oh, God, no, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> Let's visit the bougie parents. Yeah. And they're God. More, more have, you ever, have you ever seen characters in a movie that have, or TV show that have such awful taste in friends? <laughs> Every <laughs> single one of their friends is just absolutely terrible. I know. It's like you think you realize, oh, that's why they're like this. You know? Yeah. This is the first time I thought, you know, Danny's not so bad. <laughs> oh my uh-huh. gosh. <laughs> right. You heard it here first, listener. Right. He's not he, he's not good. Yeah. But he's not as bad as those people. So I'll give him that. I feel that. like this was a fairly good episode for Danny comparatively right? also. Like he wasn't a huge dick in this one. He wasn't naked in it either. (laughs) But it's an interesting perspective, right? Because is Mm. it that he is normally not this bad? Or is it just that he's not as bad compared to people like Jack and Tanya? Probably that. Yeah, Yeah. I think in comparison to. Yeah. (laughs) Because he also took this party down too, you know? And there was part of me that was like, yeah, go for it. I don't like these people. But I mean, you know, he was kind of being a dick kind of the way sheila did with the tea party the other in the last episode you know? right nobody knows how to behave themselves at a party in this show no. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that includes john bream yes. oh my god oh, that... god <laughs> happy birthday father i started singing from wicked like my dear father <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I think I wrote in my notes, somebody needs to change the sun's batteries. <laughs> and I wrote, he's going to kill everyone at this party. Oh my he God. looked like he wanted to, for sure. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so uh, let's just take some quick stock here. So yes, uh, Sheila is desperately out of money and the bills are still stacking up. So she and Danny take a trip to LA against Jerry's advice. But then we're also following Greta as she watches the tape and experiments a little bit. We're also Mm -hmm. following Tyler as he goes to visit a surf shop to talk about the duplicator and ends up getting himself into some financial trouble. (laughs) And then finally, we have the question or rather the answer to the question of why is John Bream afraid of the water? Yeah, which is because of his dad, right? 
So I don't know. I, I definitely took the final scene to be confirmation that he absolutely cannot swim. But yeah. whether or not that is just related to his crisis of conscience because of his father's passing an anniversary, mm-hmm. or if it's just like he has the same kind of like mental health struggles as his father, and he's just like, I'm just going to throw myself in the pool. Hmm. I think either either of those interpretations could apply. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Because I forget, did, did, maybe I missed it. Did they say how his dad died? No. I know they said it was at his age. Yes. So yeah, maybe it is just, I'm not going to do this anymore. You know, I'm not going to live in this kind of fear. And that's, so that's him jumping in. Or at least he tried and then realized, oh, I can't swim. <laughs> right. I know. I was like, I hope somebody's out there, you know. And that's, I think, the while I did like that a lot, because I think I really want to find depth with this character, like, I feel like we haven't really been set up enough to know what that means for him. Mm. Yeah, it's very much a tease where you think, okay, if the show continues and gets a second season, maybe we can start spending more time unpacking just who he is. This is a nice taster. I liked the visual iconography of him getting upset and literally cutting through the word father in the cake. (laughs) It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. symbolism, we see you. But really, it's kind of like, oh, we're trying to invest in this character, but we really don't know anything about him yet. Right. And we keep getting, I feel like, that when he jumped in the pool and at the birthday party, like, I felt a lot of sympathy for him. And it's like, he's clearly uncomfortable here and he has to put the show on for everybody. And his Mm -hmm. mom seems like a nightmare. But then we also get this scene with his wife who speaks for the first time in this episode. (gasps) She speaks. Yeah. And I was like, you could tell how scared she was to talk to him. You know, which just, I was like, there's something going on. Like, he seemed to have a lot of contempt for her in that scene. And I wonder if it's less her specifically and just kind of this life that he has. But it's like this really veiled rage underneath the surface that you kind of get a feel for. But And so that makes me not like him so much. So I don't know. I don't know who he is yet. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to see where the character is going to go at this point. And, and yeah, obviously, mm. obviously, we're not going to know. Nothing's going to be tied up by the end of the season unless they really mm-hmm. do a, a, a last minute rush job. And I, and I hope that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I you know, we're only just really starting to, you know, understand how miserable he is in his situation. But we don't yet know if we should feel bad for him for being miserable in his mm. situation. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's so interesting because I just read this as he is a man who is not in touch with his emotions. So he doesn't have a relationship where his wife feels like she can talk about emotional things, right? Like Mm -hmm. that to me is why she seemed trepidatious. Like we don't talk about your father. We don't talk about things that are personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess because I said I feel like she was scared because I don't know if it's necessarily scared of him or scared to talk about this with him, Mm. you know, which I think could be different things. She's also might have been scared to find out that he was actually unhappy about the party or, you know, she's scared to find out how he really feels about things. Very shades of Greta in that way, right? Where it's like... I feel responsible for things about how you feel, even though really at the end of the day, you could tell he didn't care about the party, but for her, 
her entire existence seemed to be wrapped up in whether or not he enjoyed it. Did he have a good time? Should she have done something differently? It's like, oh, the women on the show and their relationship to men and giving that power to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me of the, I think it was the first episode where they were having this um grading pregnant couple over and Danny was like I don't care I don't want to think about food just figure it out Mm -hmm. you know just like the expectations to provide this like this visual or this like fantasy life where they are the men and they have their little women who are also like super cool also and empowered and it's just (laughs) it's frustrating it's a lot of balls to juggle in the air yeah that's why I really liked getting the extra insight into Greta and just from Greta's perspective. Like, that's one of the things I really liked about this particular episode is that we Mm -hmm. weren't seeing these other people through Sheila's eyes. We were seeing them on their own, doing their own thing, and it felt like we were catching a glimpse that we hadn't previously gotten. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The scene that I I think I liked the most in this episode was when Greta was shaving her bikini line, you know, Mm -hmm. which sounds like probably... it's, It's just a small moment, but it's like... We don't see women who don't look like perfect size zero models doing the maintenance of looking the way we feel like they're supposed to look very often. And it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, that's what like real women mm-hmm. look like. And that's things that yep. real women do. And when you see it, you realize how little you see it. You yeah. Know? It, it's how you could tell that this was written by a woman. Uh-huh. Totally. Mm-hmm. And her under the covers, too. I liked that part, too. It's like, oh, Greta, get yours. Yeah, I was a little puzzled by that. I was, I Me, was, too. I was trying to... T- is she trying to see if it's going to turn her on or not? I, I I, was a little baffled by by that, honestly. I mean, I think it was a, it was a good scene mm-hmm. to show that, that, you know, she's not dead from the waist down and that she is... <laughs> in, and that she is interested in trying to... to get on Ernie's level as far as you know what he wants in that regard mm-hmm. but I don't know if you, I don't know if you need to go as far as say well let me see if this does anything for me or if I masturbate to it maybe suddenly it'll turn me on but that's not how fetishes work right not necessarily transferable or it necessitates a conversation like maybe talk with your partner about this like I mean, mm-hmm. this is the thing, right? Is Greta's doing all of these acts in isolation. I'm terrified that we're going to open the next episode and she's going to be bald and just kind of present herself to Ernie and say, hey, I did this thing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think, I don't know that it is, you know, you, she really needs to talk to him about it because there's no telling if it's the the bald head or the act of shaving the hair off that does it for him. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. because if she's going to go ahead and shave her hair off, then that seems kind of that seems kind of pointless. And she runs yeah. the risk of of losing the whole appeal, right? Yeah. When I was watching this, I was like, "What?" And then I was thinking, "Was this her tape all along?" And I don't think that it was because she would have known what it was. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "Is she? Maybe this is something." that in some way has involved her or maybe she was just kind of a, it was a awakening of like oh there are different ways for people to be attracted to women mm. i don't know it was it very it was very confusing and you know also she might not get why this was very appealing to her you know like sometimes you see things and just like oh well, this is interesting. I'm feeling a certain way about it, and I'm not sure why. But like, if I if I had to put myself in Greta's shoes, I would be thinking, 
oh, I could look like this. This is this is a standard of beauty that I could actually achieve. And I don't know if this is something that would like be arousing to me or to Greta, but I mean, at least it's, it's something different, you know? And it seems like her relationship with Eddie, like she didn't seem mad at him like the only interaction we had was when he'd had too many chili dogs but yeah <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about the relationship to food in this episode because there is a lot of people eating bad things and then ending up in dietary distress <laughs> <laughs> right yeah a lot of like food horniness too yeah there's there's food and sex on the brain in this particular episode Mm-hmm. never good sex yeah although i don't know some of those dolphin sounds were kind of indicative of what are they doing (laughs) having only really gotten to know tanya well in this episode i definitely took those to be elaborately performative yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's like yeah we have guests in the house let's you know let's turn it up a little Put on a show, yeah. Right, whereas most people mm-hmm. are, are like, well, you know, we'll either you know wait till they're gone or we'll be very, very quiet. You know, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean de- decent people don't make their, their house guests know very, you know, very obviously that they're having sex. Yeah, considerate people. But yeah. these are the same kind of assholes who start the tour by basically talking about how, oh, mind your child, she could fall down the 72-foot fall because we don't believe in guardrails. And also, look at the view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, 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 love that, I love that she is very close to giving birth. She looks to be about eight to nine months pregnant, and they have nothing around that pool they have no mm-hmm. guard. They have no guardrail, and and baby proofing was definitely a thing by the early eighties. And oh, totally. And I, I assumed that they were going to be trying to be one of those parents who you know was going to like you know, raise their child to be free range, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know they're probably anti vaxxers. Oh, <laughs> Which is funny yeah. though, because Tanya certainly looks with disdain at Sheila when Sheila mentions that she's a vegetarian at the party, and I thought. Bitch, you can't be half-ass on this. If you're going to be living this life, then you've also got to be either vegetarian or vegan. And maybe that just mm-hmm. wasn't a thing back in the 80s. She has the air of people that don't have kids and have a lot of opinions about oh, having yeah. kids. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's like, oh, that paradigm is going to shift real hard in about a month or six weeks for her when she's the one having to chase her kids all over the place. I, I love, I, I, one of my, I think my favorite scene in this episode was when Jerry calls the house to tell tell Sheila that the commercial isn't airing because mm-hmm. un- unbeknownst mm-hmm. to him their check bounced so right. yeah I got pulled and then like Tanya's like is that Jerry is that Jerry from Berkeley and she's like mm-hmm. she, she, she's, like, she's like hi Jerry it's like I'm pregnant oh yeah and then like she like snatches the, the phone out of her hand like, mm-hmm. and she just kind of looks like vaguely offended at her from, like in the background <laughs> like how else will Jerry know that I won yeah oh my God. yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, when there was a time in my life when I would run into people and I'd be like, hey, here, here's my boyfriend. He's cute. Don't you think I'm cool now? You know, it was very much that moment. I was like, oh, Tanya, get away from her, Sheila. I don't like her. Well, there's very much an air of performativity and critique against this L.A. crowd, right? Because all of the people that we meet at this party are kind of atrocious. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. What is the name? What is the name of this other friend that they had in college who shows up? I, oh, Belinda, I think. Oh, my God. E- e- each friend is worse than the next. I know. Somehow they managed to one up each other. 
and she just like casually admits that she that she taught Sheila how to be bulimic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then shames her and totally triggers her. Like that's not how you talk to people about trauma. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they seem so obtuse that it wouldn't even occur to them that she might still be affected by this. And I think mm-hmm. that that level of not even noticing that Sheila is in distress and making fun of her, like looking at it as an opportunity to lord their privilege and their quote unquote success over her because she doesn't mm-hmm. live in Los Angeles. It's a pretty scathing critique, isn't it? It is. Well, and she's also the, uh, quote, skinniest one in the room, too. So it's like, oh, we've got to take her down just a couple of pegs. Yeah, the way that they are so blasé about the subject of bulimia and eating disorders, that's very accurate for for the time period. Because, again, I, I mentioned in the first episode that we're still a couple of years away from Karen Carpenter dying right. of, mm-hmm. uh, from anorexia. And people were shocked, not just because... You know, oh, how how sad that this person, you know, this talented person died. But because she was 33. Mm-hmm. And eating disorders, I think even to an extent now, are still something people consider as being a problem with, like, you know, melodramatic teenage girls or, yeah. mm-hmm. like, overpressured college-age young women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something you think of that, like, you know, women over 30 or, like, you know, married women or anybody like that would have. Yeah. So I, th- yeah. I think it doesn't even occur to them that, you know, Sheila would still be struggling with this. I mean, it's a sort of, you know, cruelty and it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Well, and Sheila even waves it away by saying, oh, well, I'm not a teenager anymore when she's mm-hmm. protesting too much. Mm-hmm. They also mentioned that she stopped ballet and nobody knew why. But we had our suspicions, though. Ugh. I mean, if I were Sheila, I would want to stop ballet because I wouldn't want to be around those girls anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like there's probably more to that story. And it probably has something to do with maybe her parents. But they also drop in that, oh, you married Danny to piss off your parents. Mm-hmm. The hippie Jewish guy to piss off your parents. And she's like, no, no, no. And it's interesting. I was kind of laughing to myself a little bit at how much infidelity we all kind of speculated there was going to be in this season. Mm-hmm. And there really hasn't been any. And like Danny yeah. and Sheila, like they have... Some we don't see any of it really, but they have a nice little moment of amore, you know, amidst the dolphin and um, <laughs> zoo sounds. <laughs> but it's it's been interesting. Like I do think that there is that she does love Danny, and I think that she is very unhappy with Danny in a lot of ways. But I think that there is kind of a core of love, almost maybe in spite of all of the bullshit that they were coming out of, you know. It almost saddens me that for so much of the party, they're separated by gender. So Danny's over Mm -hmm. dealing with Jack and Sheila is over here dealing with Tanya and Belinda. And Mm. I say it saddens me because I think if Sheila had seen Danny being the good politician, she would have been even more reminded of what he used to be like. Because I felt like that's why Danny comes off well, not just because Jack is obviously a piece of shit, but because Mm -hmm. this seems like what old Danny back in the Berkeley days would have been like, right? You get the the passion and the fire in his convictions when he's trying to stand up for local government and so on. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when somebody has like strong beliefs and they are like kind of diametrically opposed to your parents, it's easier sometimes to say, I just wanted to piss off my parents. But I also believe this too. Mm-hmm. And I want to piss off my parents by believing this also. You know, I do feel like they are really kind of aligned in a lot of their ideology. Yeah. And, um, and I think I think it also their relationship comes down to, I think they're also the only one's friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Danny is Sheila's only friend, mm-hmm. and and vice versa, because everybody else is constantly critical of them and passive aggressive, and Sheila keeps a lot of her uncharitable, let's call it thoughts, <laughs> about Danny to herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, she she's not constantly belittling him. Now he kind of crossed the line with her a lot, but I, again, I don't think he necessarily means it to hurt her i think he i think he i think he doesn't realize how it sounds whereas you know the way tanya and belinda i mean it's all very mean girls yes yeah you know i think that probably you know in college sheila was probably a little more maybe a little more popular than them maybe i mean she was obviously we already established that she was a high achiever in school so maybe Mm -hmm. she was considered you know she was considered maybe a you know a goody goody and more attractive i think Right, and now she's quote unquote just a housewife, you know, and and you know probably not making as much money as as Jack and you know whoever if Belinda's married to anybody, right. you know, and, and and that's all that matters. So you know they're taking you know a a very distinct pleasure in in, in cutting her down, mm-hmm. and I I think with I think with with Danny it's not that conscious. I, he just doesn't know what he sounds like. And I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to excuse it. <laughs> yeah, it's just different. Right, 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 right. I don't think that he means to hurt her. He seems like the kind of person who has a really firm grasp on big picture ideas and no real understanding of how to make those things happen. Like it seems like he's always leaning on other people for the details. And Gina, I can't remember what episode it was in. It might have been last one when you said he absorbs the personality of people around him. And I think that's totally true. And I think he just doesn't really interrogate his actions. Right. Also, like if he's kind of absorbing Sheila's mindset and she wants to have a good weekend, you know, then he's going to kind of go along with that that flow as well you know and their their trip like the conversation they had about him being high you know it's just a really sweet moment you know like i i'm glad that we're seeing some of this because it feels like a real marriage that is just yeah not totally functional you know but not completely falling apart he also seems to be more willing than he has in episodes past to acknowledge her contribution to his mm-hmm. campaign yeah, that's the first thing in the episode. He sounds more he sounds more sincere about it than he used to. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he's picking up on her kind of feeling more empowered in herself. Well, that would that would fall back into you know him kind of you know, being a sponge for other people's personalities. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it yeah. also doesn't hurt that they're finding a certain level of success. Right when things mm-hmm. are good, he seems kinder to her. When things are not going as well, that's usually where the meanness yeah. comes out. That's true. That's accurate. You know, a right. lot. Yeah. Of, a, a lot of really, I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that myself in my own relationship. Oh, sure. Like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean, who, who do you take your shit out on your partner most of the time? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, right. 
Well, and like we saw that with John Bream and his wife, you know, he's like, I'm a lot un- under a lot of stress, stress, but it's all external. And like she is feeling the weight of that. She's the one who is like afraid that her party was a disaster. And it's just because of all of this other stuff that he can't really share with her. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he does. And we just haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Portraits of different marriages. Yeah. I will say hopping back to the party. I was taken with Jack's line where he basically shuts Danny down when they start to go head to head about the Vietnam War. And at one point, Sheila comes up and I I think Danny says something like, well, I had to do something for Sheila. And Jack says, well, that's always your excuse. So Mm. blaming Sheila is part of his narrative. Mm -hmm. I thought that was telling and a little perturbing. Perturbed. Which which is, you know, it's more more the same crap that Jerry gives him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, because it was Sheila's fault that they hadn't already recorded the ad, even though they had shot that idea down when she tried to present it. Right. It's like the, the woman behind the man kind of thing. It's like when things are going great, um, oh, I've got this great woman, but when things are going bad, like, why aren't you picking up the slack? Why aren't you helping me? Mm-hmm. As evidenced by the fact, too, that when the ad disappears from TV, who does Jerry call? He doesn't call Danny. Uh-huh, because he knows Danny doesn't have any idea. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, obviously Sheila would be handling the money, so mm-hmm. but I I do kind of love that she just lets him spin his own wheels and let himself think that, oh, it must be political sabotage from Michael mm-hmm. Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I did it, like that little line about the lotion. That was that was a funny little little moment. Ew. Like, oh, I called that. I mean, as gross as it is, but it was like, yeah, she knew what he was going to do. Uh, <laughs> Her <yeah>. house. <laughs> oh, Everybody's masturbating and fucking in this episode. I don't I understand mean, why. Yeah. Very, very horny episode. It really is. And none of it is Tyler. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's none of it is the people you think it's going to be or the no. people that we predicted it's going to be yet so far. Right. <laughs> All right. So, Jen, <laughs> you raised him. You have summoned Tyler into the conversation. What do we oh. think of this detour to the surf shop, the churros, the edibles, and tie tie the shortboard? <laughs> if I didn't like him so much, I would kind of be annoyed by this. I would be like, what are we doing here? Why are we spending time here? But it's it was just so sweet. I just he's just so cute and I loved like he just seems like a genuine guy I was also thinking he and Sheila are soulmates because they're both so like impetuous and they can't like handle money you know yeah I was gonna say that if there's like okay so she goes to the the aerobic studio to let them know she's gonna be leaving town and he's just absolutely delighted to see her he's just like yes. a puppy dog like 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 you're here you haven't been here in a couple days now you're days. here <laughs> and so well we've got the return of are you bummed or are you stoked about the cover art as well uh-huh what did he say he said you don't have to go out of your way to be hurtful <laughs> yeah Ooh, which tells us a lot about his relationship with bunny uh-huh. yeah but i think but i think that now that they have both royally fucked up with money that is supposed to belong to both them and their partner, mm-hmm. I think that that's ultimately going to push them closer together. I love that you two still think that this is going to happen. <laughs> I'm saying it now. I don't think that those two are going to sleep together. I think that they're too similar. Like their their storylines are on the same wavelength, but I don't see them coming together physically. Yeah. I don't think I don't think she has a crush on him. I think he definitely has a crush on her, though. 
It's so yeah. cute, though. Like, he, he is like a teenage boy who is smitten with a hot older woman. I know. It's so cute. And I, I kind of want them to be best friends. You know, I think maybe that would be like the better relationship for both of them. But yeah, it's it's just so delightful in this episode. And so like we talked about him being genuine, but he's like the one like kind and nice person. And this, this storyline stood out because it was just so kind of doofusy, but like happy and positive. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that Sheila saw this picture of herself and really, really liked it and didn't like we didn't hear her internal monologue of, oh, look how fat I am. Mm-hmm. And oh, look, look, Bunny looks better than me. Like she I think she's starting to see herself. And I wonder if it helps seeing herself through Tyler's eyes. I was just you know? thinking that. Yeah. 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 He's always so like positive. I think she knows that he has a crush on her, too. Hmm. But it doesn't seem like a cr- like he does still seem like he's into Bunny, too. You know, like it doesn't seem like that relationship is toxic and so he's seeking love elsewhere it just kind of seems like yeah you're right like a teenager you know who who's like brother's friend came home from college oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because this is absolutely the kind of character that i fucking hate in tv shows and movies you know he even says in this episode that he's a buddhist atheist he's saying <laughs> dude all the time it, mm-hmm. It's giving me Sean Penn in Fast Times and Ridgemont totally. High flashbacks. And I don't like these characters normally, but Lou Taylor Pucci is so adorable and likable mm-hmm. in this role. I just can't help but be won over by him. Um, are you joining the club? The Tyler fan club? Oh, I'm, I'm officially joining the club. I'd like Woo! my membership card in the mail, please. Oh, yay. <laughs> it's just a, like a, a heart keychain that says Ty Ty on it. <laughs> Tai Tai is a perfect descriptor of this character, by the way. It really is. Yeah. It's an airbrush, too. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I need a t-shirt now. <laughs> okay. So is there anything else in this episode that caught our attention or a significant line that we thought was clever or fun? Well, not fun, but I I liked the scene because I felt it very relatable when Sheila is talking to Belinda and Tanya and they're just digging in and picking on her and making all these passive aggressive remarks and the background starts sort of rocking back and forth like like she's like trying to prevent herself from having a breakdown. Yeah, and, and I, I, and that's what she she decided to leave and make the you know undoubtedly bad decision to show up at her parents house at whatever time of night 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like it's like could that could that be the most self-destructive thing she does yet it might be oh yeah because you just know like next week's episode is going to be entirely dedicated to exploring her really contentious relationship with her parents but to end on this cliffhanger And even just the way that she rushes out of this party, she does not collect her child. She does not tell Danny. She binges Mm -hmm. before leaving in the car. I was just like, oh, God. And I did love that we got to see her struggling with herself. Like, stop this. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. And it almost feels like she breaks it. Like, giving in to go to her parents actually feels like a positive step forward, even though I think it's going to be fucking horrible. Oh, no, 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 yeah. it's gonna be, yeah, this is not gonna be a, this is not gonna be a good thing for her. Yeah, I read it as, like, 
the empowering moment. And that's why I was surprised that she showed up at her parents' house. I, I thought she was going to Greta's house at first. Oh. I thought she had just driven for hours or something because it felt like it was going to be this really positive moment. And I, I loved that scene too, because I did find it very relatable. And it reminded me of the a scene in Sharp Objects where um, mm. one of the characters is just like desperate to find something to cut herself with, you know? And it's just like, I've got to find some kind of self-destructive thing to, because she's like, like drinking the food in her car, you know. Oof. The show is really, really good at, I feel like, putting this internal thought process on screen in mm-hmm. a way that I find really, really relatable and really human. And am I wrong or was that Wendy Malick who answered the door? Oh, my God. If it is, bonus points like- for casting. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, my God, it's Wendy Malick, which, I mean, I don't know if that bodes well for Sheila because uh, Wendy Malick has a very sharp tongue and <laughs> it's like, oh, Lord. So I think I didn't get a good look, but I do watch a lot of that season of Frasier that she's on. So <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think that's Wendy Malick. Uh, okay. Well, are, are we ready to make any declarative statements about what we think is going to happen when she encounters her parents next episode? Whew. Well, as a person who's currently deciding if I want to keep talking to my own parents, I hope that it's going to go well for her. And I hope that she's going to have an empowering moment where she... I get the sense that she's hiding from her parents right? and has not really had a confrontation with them. So I would really, really hope this is kind of my wishful thinking rather than predicting. But I really hope that she has a moment that helps her feel better, you know, mm. that kind of helps her get some things out in the open that maybe she's been kind of using like negative coping skills to deal with instead of just kind of confronting it head on. But it could very easily go in the completely opposite direction. <laughs> Gino, what do you think? Um, well, you're speaking from both, you know, personal experience and, you know, also reading about it in general. A lot of times eating disorders start because you are seeking approval from someone. Right. So, you know, I, you have no doubt that the root of the problem is with Sheila's parents. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that even though everybody kind of implies that all of her her conflict with them started because of Danny, I doubt that. I'm sure it was something that that was years in the making, and that her you know marrying Danny was you know at least perceived as some sort of you know finally she rebelled against her parents by right. you know, marrying the wrong guy. Why is he the wrong guy? Because he's Jewish. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, so I think that if she can figure out, and I, I don't think that there's going to be some big reunion or, you know, apologies or anything like that. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a very hard half hour of television of them, you know, being cruel to her in the same way that she's cruel to herself. Mm-hmm. But I am, but I am hoping that her realizing that she is never going to get their approval will be the thing that helps her to break the cycle. Because right. if you finally if you finally know, no matter how hard I try, this is never gonna happen, you'll stop trying. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she can she can she can get by without her parents' love and approval. Mm-hmm. She's gotten by for however long she and Danny have been married, you know, ten years or so. Right. Mm-hmm. If she knows once and for all that she is not going to get their approval, it, it may help her in you know being able to move on from this and to stop hurting herself for it Mm -hmm. yeah i i hope anyway yeah i think that 
is probably the best case scenario that we can hope for. <laughs> Jen, I love your optimism. I do not think that this is, I think the best we can hope for is some kind of productive catharsis. So mm-hmm. Sheila, yeah, maybe finally realizes either that she doesn't need them or that they have done something to her that she now needs to address and she can move on. Because I am obsessed with the money angle of this show, (laughs) I'm interested to figure out whether or not this will go the way she needs it to go. Because she has $12 in that bank account, folks. Mm. She has to leave whatever happens with Mm -hmm. a handful of money or a check of some kind. Mm. So I don't know what the Dale Nortons, aka the waspiest name we could come up with, I don't Mm -hmm. know what the Dale Nortons have in store for us, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be great, but I really hope that Sheila leaves with money. Yeah. I mean, just steal something. Right? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Grab a vase (laughs) on the way out. I noticed her uh, eyeballing that ring on that trophy wife. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, how's she going to get that from her, though? Oh, God. I know. I was like, if she tried to steal that thing, that would be a new level of (laughs) (laughs) self-destruction. I know. (laughs) Okay, well, if people want to speculate on what valuable item she can steal, Gina, how would they get a hold of you? I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and odd little details. And I am also on Twitter under Porcelain72. Okay. And Jen, if people want to ride the Tai Tai surf with you, how would they do so? Um, you can uh, ride the surf with me at socials, um, Jen Ferratu on all of them. And you can find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast about the works of Stephen King and the Psychoanalysis podcast about horror and mental health. Nice. And if folks want to worry frantically about <laughs> money with me, you can find me at <laughs> B Stole My Remote. And that's the letter B. And you can listen to me every week on the Horror Queers And uh, I guess that wraps up another episode of White Ladies in Crisis. Big thanks to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. So until next week, when we are back with episode eight and, oh boy, conflict and fireworks (laughs) aplenty, I'm sure. Stay away from the churros and those footlongs, because (laughs) who knows what they'll do to you. Squad.